Hello and welcome to the 22nd episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about the starting industry, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on developers themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Concursion by Pooba. Danny, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, my name is Danny Garfield. I am the developer and, I guess, designer for uh, Concursion over here at Pooba. Um, we're just uh, really just a team of three guys working out of Los Angeles uh, out of my house. I- I'm technically in the office right now, which is to say kind of my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Um, I'm in my office too, but it's actually an office. So. <laughs> I'm jealous. Um, so there it is. Um, so how do you make your start, you personally, make, make your start in making flashy, lighty video games? <laughs> uh, As opposed well, to board games and stuff. <laughs> Um, I, I guess it would be just uh, just a bit more than a year ago. Uh, about a year ago, I was working kind of a proper grown-up full-time job um, doing like uh, post-production for movie studios, working for you know Disney and Universal, things like that, working on um, little apps and web stuff and disc stuff for movies, uh, which was super fun, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but um, doing all the licensed product kind of didn't give me an opportunity to take a gamble and try out like an original IP, an original concept, something big and meaty and lengthy. And so... Um, I decided, uh, I've been referring to the development of this game as kind of Operation Big Stupid Gamble. Um, decided to quit, um, put together whatever I had, and uh, just a friend and I left that place and started working on Concursion right off the bat. Um, you, do hear, you do hear these stories about people working in positions or places that you think, that's a dream job, etc. Et <laughs> it uh, was. And yeah. I'm sure it was, uh, but there's this especially creative types, go, I want to do more. I want to go beyond what's been restricted by this big code of law that's been written up about some license that I'm having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some developers thrive off of that. They make, you know, their main focus of of revenue is making games for Spider-Man over and over and over again. And that's fine for them. Um, Some are very good at it, some are not so good uh, because you are... You know, some say restriction actually frees you. It's a strange sort of concept, but if you know your boundaries, then you can actually go crazy within those boundaries. Yeah. You know? So, but you actually, you know, this is not uncommon. In fact, that's what these all these indie developers are coming from. They're springing from from uh, teams that have worked in developers that are four, five hundred strong, maybe even more. Right. And go. This is all great. Me sitting here for hours on end putting textures on car bumpers or, <laughs> or cars or, or, or trees or, or leaves or what have you. But I really want to be my own person and want to strike out and prove that I can make game from a game from start to finish. Absolutely. And um, that sounds like what you've done. So you're very much a designer? What are you? I, are you creative lead? Or does it really work? There's only three of you, so, you know. <laughs> Indeed. So I, I suppose I'm uh, all of those things. Um, well, I'm, I'm the only programmer on it, so I'm definitely uh, the head nerd in chief. Right. Um, but then, yeah, the game concept it was my idea. Um, the bulk of the level concepts come kind of are come from my sketchbook and so forth. Um, so I guess definitely in terms of gameplay, um, I, I would be the designer. Um, for art, I am the worst artist you've ever ever met. And so we did end up reaching out to an art team actually that was somewhat local. 
and partnered with them for, for a couple months to kind of uh, bang out all of our art needs. And I imagine that we were probably the biggest pain in the butt they've ever had. Um, the nature of our game being like five different discrete art styles with five yes. styles guides and things like yes. that. You know, not only did we have to conceptualize five styles, but it was kind of like, no, we need to stick to it. And like, we need to always make sure that we're being true to each of these five. Like, close enough isn't good enough, things like that. And it has a very unique retro style to it too, which also you had to adhere to and and refer back to and say, well, it, it, we need to look have it to look like that. But more on that later. Yes. Because so, um, anything yeah, else you can tell about your start? Sure. Um, so our start was definitely scary. Um, I ended up kind of because I most recently worked in Java, which is not like kind of the most obvious programming language often, I just decided I didn't want to have to ramp up. I didn't want to have to train. I was really excited to just start. So I decided, I don't know if this tool's ready. I don't know what's available, but let's just dive in and do this. And uh, actually, um, my cohort, Dave, who joined me right at the start, I kind of had to warn him, like, you know, we're both leaving an actual paid job here. So, uh, you know, I got to warn you, there's a chance that in four weeks, I just look at you with a really long face and go, I'm so sorry. I thought I could do this. Um, So, yeah, basically just started um, kicking around at home, kind of putting together, can we draw graphics to the screen? Can we draw sound? Um, And then as soon as we knew, like, okay, I don't know if it'll work, but fundamentals work. Just started diving in on uh, on the whiteboard. Really, I, the, one of the first things I did is literally buy this special paint and paint my entire um, wall of, of our quote unquote office with whiteboard paint. So you can use uh, whiteboard markers on the wall and just erase them. Oh, and good so just God. Sketching. That's that's yeah. pretty extreme. You can it's buy good. these whiteboards, you know. And, and just, yeah, never mind. I love to doodle. I can't have enough whiteboards. <laughs> well, that's one of the creative processes. I mean. One of the best games in the world have been where they've just taken graph paper and drawn out all the levels and then plotted all those onto the computer in some means, various mm-hmm. means. I think one of the best ones I saw was uh, when, uh, you can look this up, Manic Miner, where yes. this chap used, I think it was a TRS-80, um, where he, <laughs> he would program it in one computer and he had this uh, electronic board that squeezed the data from one computer to the other computer he was porting it onto, which is ZX Spectrum, and it would take him about 20 seconds. It would crash a lot, but it would be a damn sort of faster than it would be loading it from tape, audio tape. So <laughs> this is back in the 80s. This is back in 1982. So, yeah, you know, he, you have to, yeah, it is. Uh, Matthew Smith who did it, um, he's, uh, it was quite a child prodigy where he made this amazing game. But that he said he just drew out all the levels in graph paper, then transposed them into a digital format and voila that was the game uh, so yeah that you know that may have happened 30 years ago but it's still the same today you know all ideas come from the back of a napkin yeah exactly <laughs> all the best yeah. ideas anyway some of the earliest doodles i had for this particular game were just like lines of what would it look like if a guy jumped in the air and then transformed in, in some other physics to cold things like that so I've just got these squiggly lines dashed everywhere and kind of notes like, this is where jump, this is where run. <laughs> like, what would it look like? Is it anything that makes sense? Things like that. Yes, as long as it gets it to work. I mean, the prototype of Braid, for example, looked horrible. It was yeah. horrible, but the game was there. So, you know, um, the artist that he brought in, Jonathan Blow brought in, changed it into what it is now. So Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So... What are your biggest influences then? I mean, you've working in the creative industries for all these years. What's the thing that uh, 
you always uh, latched onto, even when you were working on licensed stuff? What is your what was your thing? Sure. Um, is it incestuous just to say indie games? I mean, uh, no. I mean, def- other people. I mean, a lot of developers that when I ask this question, they get various mm-hmm. answers. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the best ones. Are, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Was I like to make things that are fun? And it was uh, yeah. And they were hesitant to say that. Go yeah, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's the, the, the mere act of creation is inspiration itself. Sure. Um, but for you, you're saying other people's work is inspiration, yes? Um, very often, yeah. I find myself playing a, a lot of games that, um, especially ones with like interesting, innovative systems, you know, ways of playing or thinking about playing that haven't been done before. And I find that like I consume a lot of them and, and won't, in most recent years, like necessarily even finish them. Which isn't to say I didn't love them. Like I'll play enough to be like, oh, I get this, and that's brilliant, and I love it. And then I might kind of sometimes move on, which is not how I used to play games. Um, so it's, it's interesting to me. Like it's, it almost seems like a study, but it's very just how I've been enjoying games lately. Well, the the, the pantheon is that the right word? Probably we'll let it go. The vast sure. repertoire of games out there now is unparalleled. unparalleled. Oh yeah. You know, and people say to me, you said to me earlier before we looked, so, oh, have you played Watch Dogs yet? So, have you seen my pile of shame? No. <laughs> No, although I shouldn't be calling it pilot shame. It's going to be investing for the future. That's what Rich Gallup said of uh, Disruptor Beam a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed him. He says, no, it's not pilot shame. That's investing in the future of developers. So, what's the phone's going on? Um, that's all right. I'll, 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 I'll let it go and I'll call him yeah. back. Um, they say, like, it also bears mentioning, like, I am a giant, avid retro i would say retro game collector except that most of the games i own i bought when they were new um so like i i ended up custom building like a 16-way game switcher like if you can name a console it's probably hooked up in my living room actively yeah i've got that same problem i counted i've got 10 devices hanging off my telly right now it's exactly uh, it's just the way to go you know i even have a gamecube on there yeah oh yeah i've got (laughs) my nintendo plugged in next to my Intellivision, things like that my odyssey plugged in but uh, yeah, we ended up, we had this small, like bizarre kind of four foot by four foot room right off of um, what, what is now known as the game room when we moved into this place. And I just hollowed it out, put in some shelving and made it like a walk-in game library. Right. That's, that's exactly the sort of thing I do, really. It's just have to, to be able to have access to those games easily. Like the, other, the other week I was playing some N64 games just for hell of it. Sure. Well, I haven't played any for a while. And I got into it so, I mean, I used to hate that controller because it was just so weird. Yes. But, you know, over the years, you just got used to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Smash Bros. is my jam. So I love the N64 controller, if only for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Super Mario 64, I was playing on it. It was just like, oh, God, I remember all this. Yeah, this game was insane. Absolutely (laughs) insane. Way ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. So... Who do you most admire in, in the industry right now? Um, I, you know what? Jonathan Blow for Braid, I look at that game and I'm like, so when it came out, I think my first thought was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Like, I wish I had been the guy who came up with this. Like, the concept alone and the execution of it just makes, makes me cry. It's just so clever. Um, you know, also like Ed McMahon for Super Meat Boy. Just this recent, for the last handful of years, batch of like, inventive, very tightly controlled kind of, if you can envision it, you can execute it. Um, Just really kind of pure and clean game. Like, both of those games kind of have 
what you might call kind of singular premise, but they right. just explore the heck out of it and they um, kind of really just blow it out in such a way that it's just enthralling. The gameplay itself, I just, you know, love. I'm really, for me, I'm all about gameplay. Yes, that's very obvious from a conclusion. That's, it's, <laughs> it's got many different types of gameplay in it. Um, so that's, yeah, fellow developers, basically fellow indie developers who are making interesting and, uh, well, not interesting, enthralling titles based on the mechanics of them. And they yeah. can be only three or four hours long or they can be a little bit longer, but it's really just the experience is enough. Yeah, so that's it for me. What are you playing right now? And it can be anything. It can be tabletop or sure. video games. doesn't matter. What, 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 what's, what's, the, what's drawing you away from the completion of Concursion? Yeah. Well, I finally... Um, I guess not finally. I, I caved and I'm playing Watch Dogs right now. I just started that the other day. Okay. Um, I'm still in the middle of Final Fantasy thirteen three. I got like 90% of the way through it, and I have not yet finished it. Wow. Um, okay. I was playing a fair bit of Dive Kick yesterday, which is a ridiculous <laughs> game. That game, that, the Dave Lang and his ridiculous game. Oh yeah. dear, yes. I mean, the fact that you jump up and then you kick <laughs> and repeat and then repeat. I was very happy when I went from feeling like I had no idea what was going on to feeling like I, I had started down the first step to mastery. Like, no, okay, this is a game all about footsies. It's positioning. I can get this ridiculous but yes it is all about timing and and uh you know, people think there's no game to that no there's plenty of game it's just you've only got two commands to to execute yep. and the fact that the other player's head grows is <laughs> yeah ridiculous I, yeah i i didn't realize i don't think for a while that it was everyone i thought it was just one of the opponents and i thought to myself i don't know why i would pick this guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous. Um, so, how are you finding Watch Dogs? To be honest, I'm I'm kind of mixed on it. The, yeah, the gameplay is, is all right. I, I'm enjoying it. But before I finished my second mission, you know, within my first couple hours, I was being torn in a million directions by side quests. Which, of course, I'm on board. Like, there's nothing to dislike about side quests, except that they were so very removed from the fundamental gameplay of Watch Dogs. Like, a lot of them felt like they were just different games. And uh, I, I didn't really love the idea that I, to farm up my next gun upgrade, I had to bounce off a lot of flowers and things like that. Oh. So I was kind of mixed on it. Yeah, it, it, there's like a giant, diverse grab bags of very, very different mini-games in there. And, and at some point, I kind of had to resign myself to just come back to them later because I wasn't playing the game proper. So what platform are you playing on? Or is it, probably doesn't matter. Uh, I started that on PS4. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Most people on the PS4 with that. I heard some nightmare stories of people playing on Xbox One. That poor machine. Poor <laughs> machine. Yeah. Oh, dear. What, Microsoft? What were you thinking? <laughs> I really feel for them. Um, <laughs> I think I feel for them. But, yeah, made extraordinary amounts of uh, silly, silly mistakes. And there they are. <laughs> Three last year was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that was just like, let's just... Call it 180. That'll, that'll, that'll be a probably more appropriate console name. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that's what you're doing on every decision you made. <laughs> um, just on a side note, you know the whole TV thing they pushed? Doesn't actually work in the UK because we have 50 hertz TV and ah. it's based on 60 hertz. So all that throughput and that does, doesn't work. That's interesting. So yeah. I'm going to get for a sec. I didn't realize you still had PAL because like NTSC is for 
SD yeah. video, not for HD video. And so no, it's no, what? it's apparently you'd think it'd gone away with HDMI, but not. It's still there. Interesting. There's still some underlying point there. It's still there. So yeah, it still happens. It's still an issue. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All of the SD content still has to go somewhere. Exactly. So, well, it's not so much SD. It's just, I just believe it's because of the the frequencies that the televisions are receiving at are at 50 hertz, even though the yeah, it's weird, weird. Yes. Even the HD stuff, it's still there. It's still underlying. Huh. Crazy. So we could talk about the you know frequency of televisions all day, but we're not here <laughs> to talk about conversion, uh-huh. and that's what we're going to do now on the second half of this show. So, Danny, please tell us about this game, if you can, because I, I defy you, <laughs> really, but go on, give it a go. I struggle. Good luck. Yes. Um, so, Concursion is a game, uh, if you took a million other games and smashed them together into one and spilled them all out on the floor. Uh, no, well, so, <laughs> uh, Concursion is a 2D action game. It's kind of a platformer at heart, but really what it is, is if you can imagine kind of playing a 2D platformer, you know, one button runs, the other button jumps and you're bouncing on enemies' heads, jumping over gaps, until eventually you encounter kind of a literal breakage in the fabric of space. And on the one side is kind of blue skies and puffy white clouds. On the other side is maybe the pitch black of outer space with stars and planets in the distance. So if you can imagine kind of in full control of your platformer, leaping across that divide, and the moment you cross it, you kind of transform from an upright person into a spaceship. And the button right. that used to run now shoots lasers, and there's no gravity in space, so you don't fall to the floor. That, that's kind of the nature of the game. It, it's a, a grab bag of five games in one um, that, rather than being a compilation, is actually um, an environment where you can literally jump between genre to genre on the fly. The physics change, your controls change, and actually enemies, when they cross these borders, their behaviors and looks change altogether as well. Sometimes. Sometimes, indeed. <laughs> and so, uh, Most of the time. Like, Most of right. the time. Yeah. Well, so exactly. As the game goes on, we start to explore, you know, what would happen if an enemy was immune to these effects. If, so, like, say, a spaceship was able to fly straight out into our hack and slash feudal Japan ninja game. Uh, as the game goes on, we start to actually deal with kind of more contained, smaller dimensional bubbles of these other genre space. Uh, they start to actually move around and translate. And as the game goes on, they actually kind of have an intelligence of a sort. So you can, if you can imagine playing, say, a Gradius-style shoot-em-up, you know, side view, scrolling to the right shoot-em-up, and if an enemy was literally throwing pockets of, say, Mario at you, well, if that kind of circular dimensional bubble of Mario were to hit you, you'd no longer be a spaceship. Gravity would take hold, and you'd kind of plummet out the bottom of the stage as if it were a cliff. Yes. And so um, it's, yeah, it's not easy to explain. It's not like I can't do the one-sentence elevator. No. I wasn't asking for that. Yeah. Um, the lift pitch, as we would say in the UK, it would be is very hard um, for this particular <laughs> game. Um, but this mashup is my first question now. The first mm-hmm. one was you given. The first question. So the mashup of 
styles forces a change of play style on the player between each environment, as you've already described. So when you were designing the levels, did you struggle with preventing players becoming too frustrated with having to change from one gameplay mechanic to another? Definitely did, yeah. A a big part of that decision-making and design process really came uh, up front, looking for um, 2D genres that, you know, were fun and different enough to be kind of a genuine change in um, player mechanics, but not so very different that it was a disruption to gameplay momentum. Um, so, for example, you know, uh, a role-playing game is, like I said, I'm playing Final Fantasy XIII. I, I love JRPGs. But okay. to kind of stop, clap down, and kind of do like a menu-driven approach right in the middle of, you know, running and sprinting at high speed would have been kind of like a really big gap in, like, in the mentality of the player. And so that kind of consistency of, like, staying oriented to the same goal and the same speed and things like that was really important. But, um... Beyond that, yeah, that, that definitely was a design concern, that, that even within those kind of selected genres, that they work cleanly. Um, part of that we tried to address by kind of having five very different visual style guides for every world, so you'd always at least know what you were. It, it was very important that um, if I leap out from our platformer into our hack and slash, that I not find out that it is hack and slash upon my transformation and arrival there, but in fact that I can know it ahead of time so that I can prepare and pull off some cool gymnastics and, you know, mechanics. And so that style guide went a long way toward that. But, um, yeah, that, that kind of... It turned out to be easier than you'd think to get the technicals of, like, maintaining momentum and inertia and, like, seamless, quick, frame-to-frame change. But um, definitely the level design meant that we had to really think about that we didn't just smash genres together, but that we really planned kind of a thesis for each level. Well, you wanted to make it so it's playable. Sounds right. obvious, but... You know, it sounds like, oh, this would be fun. That's fine. The concept may be, but can it be done without forcing the player to throw their controller at the screen? Right. It could have easily so happened. Oh, no yeah. doubt it did. You know, it's like, no, this is impossible. Look, you just, this is, you're just doing this to make me mad. <laughs> you don't want that. You know, you want to, there's, there's, there's limits to making players mad. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk about the references now to the game because I get the feeling it makes a lot of references to games from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, was it always the intention to focus on this era in Concursion or were you going to go earlier or later? Because or... you could have done it in any era of video games, really, couldn't you? Indeed. I think. Um, I think I just gravitated toward kind of where I played the most games, you know? Um, You know, Super Nintendo era, I just consumed an untold, ungodly number of games. Right. And um, definitely, originally, I was looking at the potential of doing, like, proper pixel art and and kind of doing an older style. But uh, it it was kind of when I realized that they each, again, needed to look different, that I realized, well, maybe that's an opportunity to explore kind of multiple eras. Right. And, um, And I... I felt like if I did it all clean and modern, then we might not have that opportunity to explore those different styles. Mm-hmm. And if we did it all 8-bit, then, of course, we're kind of automatically constrained. And so it just felt like a really good era that, you know, that was an era where you could point at a bunch of different games and kind of um, recognize really different styles among them. I guess the it transition language. did feel like a lot of Mega Drive games more than it did SNES games, to be fair. Sure. In my opinion, sort of Genesis game, sorry. Um, uh-huh. I know you know what that means, so I just want to clear what else, people listening. 
Um, everyone else, everyone else around the world called that thing a Mega Drive, and I still own one. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, it just does 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 feel like those sort of side-scrolling platformers of which was there were many, many on those both sure. platforms, weren't there? Indeed. Okay. So you just basically gravitated because that was what you were most familiar with and you had the I most fun. With. Yeah. And yeah. So I don't know. I think it was just an opportunity to um, explore a lot of different styles in one. Um, and that particular era just kind of had a lot to offer. Okay. That's fair enough. So there's a significant amount of importance placed on the use of momentum mm-hmm. in Concursion. You've mentioned it already, but... It, it acts as a way of transferring a player from one zone to another. I mean, is there a little push out from each zone? Do they do they get pushed There's out? Not actually, no. no it, it's actually all. Uh, I definitely uh, considered that kind of um, considered that whenever you you know move through a dimensional boundary, kind of giving you an extra little shove to make sure that you were definitively through there. Yeah. But in the end, we kind of went with um, kind of entirely true, so to speak, uh, physics, really. Um, if you're moving, you know, X miles per hour when you cross through, you still will. It's just that the mechanics of that next destination world are, will start to take hold. So I guess um, a good example would be, uh, like, in jet in jetpack. There's a jetpack world. And if you take, like, a big old thrust from, like, a gr- uh, through a great height, kind of a fast high-speed climb, you can kind of dolphin breach out of the top of that jetpack into, say, like the platformer space. Yeah. And whatever speed you've reached upon exiting, that'll kind of be the speed that you are moving at when you're the platformer, even if that is much faster than you could have ever achieved under your own control as the platformer. For example, right. it's faster than the platformer jumps. But so, at that point, the platformer's gravity will start to take effect and kind of pull you back in. Yeah. Like but it would project you into a platform you wouldn't normally be able to reach. Exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just found that fascinating. So, you know, in Portal, of course, there is that, that, that it exploits the fact that you gain acceleration as you are projected through each portal to mm-hmm. the point where you can go through these infinite loops and get to the, you can go spotting, well, not infinite loops, but no, they are infinite, infinite loops, and you can get it faster and faster and faster, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is quite cool. But, uh, I thought I was feeling that when I was playing the game, but you're right. I don't think it's there at all. You're right. It isn't there. It's just a simple transition. Whatever momentum you enter it at, that's the momentum you leave it at. Yeah, it actually it. Like, whatever, No, whatever momentum you leave it at, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. It actually led to an interesting design decision for the, uh, the space shooter uh, segment, which uh, we call it Alvado, so I'll use the yeah. term Alvado. Um, usually in like a sort of a 2D gradient space shooter, when you push up, down, left, right, you might kind of immediately move at full speed, almost like moving a mouse cursor, you know? There's no acceleration, deceleration, things like that. Yeah. But we didn't want it to kind of be if you kind of... Let's say there was like a pool filled with space shooter that you jumped into from the top. We didn't want you to kind of like freeze and lock on that top line. We wanted you to kind of like, just like jumping into a pool, slow down and kind of sink into it a little bit before you hit zero speed. And so we actually introduced kind of accelerations and decelerations into that game at a sort of rapid speed. But that allowed us to do some interesting tricks and mechanics that might not have been quite possible if we were kind of really strict to doing it in the classic sense. Yeah, yeah. So you've got five genres in this game. Mm-hmm. What ones did you consider and throw out? <laughs> um, considered doing kind of like a Final Fight style beat 'em up. Um, okay. But in the end, I thought that like the motion through depth uh, was a little bit odd and didn't quite connect to our game. And I thought it was maybe a little too similar to our um, kind of hack and slash Ninja Gaiden uh, genre. 
Okay. Um, we talked about, and this was kind of off the wall, doing um, almost like a Mario Kart, over-the-shoulder, third-person racing sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. make your way to the right, enter this kind of forward-facing area, do some dodging through obstacles, maybe even shoot a few weapons and things, and then make your way back out to the side. But uh, it, it also, it, it was kind of a disruption to the overall aesthetic of the game, being like, get from A to B. Yeah didn't make a lot of sense i mean yeah you drive into the screen into a portal and then find you go f- still flying across mm-hmm. it's like oh no i'm really disorientated now any others um let me see the, the last one was probably rpg but that one we we dropped fairly quickly um just because it again it just in terms of the continuity of goal and motion it didn't really work it, the flow uh, the last... would slow it down to a halt wouldn't it but... it would yeah just dead stop it um, we did consider making the every level. Uh, I'm sure you noticed ends with uh, a transformation into kind of a, a sixth world of dance, like a Dance Dance Revolution inspired world. Right. So we considered making that kind of a proper playable little mini game, but in the end, because I wanted to end every level with it, um, I, I think it might have gotten repetitious. Yeah, I mean, there is a hint of that with the end of level, where you do go into disco world, don't you? Yeah. So that's, you know, there's a hint of it, but it's, that's probably the only remnants of that idea. Yeah. Um, anything else? Um, I think those are probably it. Well, a little bit of, we talked about some gauntlet, and it kind of became what we did is kind of a Pac-Man slash gauntlet hybrid. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's most of them. I, I, I think, think, I mean, you haven't got, there was the, not uh, the side-scrolling beat-em-up. You know, mm-hmm. the one where, like, you know, ninjas turtles was like that and double dragon was like that you could have done that maybe i guess but yeah yeah, um, maybe a sequel who knows (laughs) but yeah there's so many out there you could have done all sorts of weird and wonderful things with concursion but this is where it is uh and it's about to be released today at the time of recording yes uh yeah it's coming out june 6th crazy oh right yeah okay so it's a couple of days so it's the end of this week yeah Mm -hmm. yeah friday yeah friday so My Friday, your Friday and a half. Friday, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we would have been over by the yeah. time. Uh, but uh, yeah, all good games. Video games come out on Friday over here in the UK, so uh, mm. it's a good thing. And where can one get it? What platforms is it out on? Uh, it's going to be all over the place. I'm pretty pleased. Uh, it was kind of up in the air till recently. It's going to be on Steam and Amazon and the Mac App Store and Greenman Gaming and uh, yeah, just all over the place. So it's on Windows PC, Linux PC, and Mac. Uh, PC and Mac. Oh, PC and Mac. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on, on, like you said, it's on Steam and all the other... Just, and you can get it directly from your site, which is? Uh, our site is uh, puba.com, P-U-U-B-A.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting name for a firm. Where does that come from? Uh, it is literally just a gibberish word. It's an inside joke from high school. It's, it's oh, a, okay. just a sound effect. <laughs> I thought you were referring to the grand poobah, but it's not. It's it's spelt differently. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Danny, thank you very much for your time and uh, chatting about uh, Concursion with us today. I uh, really, really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with the launch of it and uh, for your future endeavors. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. I enjoyed this. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. 
And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to this show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!